Welcome to the Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hialeah Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the Jockey Club. Welcome back to the Jockey Club. My name is Dan Delgado. We are up to episode 17, which means, of course, we are doing the 17th scene of Let It Ride. And really, this is the 17th scene, according to me. This is the scene right where Trotter returns to the Jockey Club and receives a phone call from his wife, Pam. With me to discuss this scene is Eric Stoyer. Eric is not just a man who loves Terry Garr, and don't we all, but he's also the host of a new podcast from Movie Maker Magazine called Actual Facts, which takes a look at documentary films. Actual Facts is available right now in the Movie Maker Interviews feed, though I do believe that it will have its own feed soon enough. Either way, there will be a link to it in the show description. And a quick reminder that we do have merch. Yes, indeed. If you cannot live without a Jockey Club shirt or mug, we do have you covered. Again, there will be a link to it in the show description for you to get one or 16, however many you need. And if you're playing along at home, this is from minute 4408 to minute 4809. Okay, now let's head on up to my usual table at the Jockey Club to discuss the 17th scene of Let It Ride. Eric, since this is your first time doing this program with me, doing this ridiculous show that I'm doing, this is the 17th scene that we're doing. And so the first question I like to ask people, do you remember the first time that you saw Let It Ride? Do you, can you recall yes. that experience? Yes, I rented it from Blockbuster probably in 1990, somewhere in there. I was in high school. And just one of those weekends where you rent a bunch of movies and you'd, uh, at one point, Blockbuster only had like a one-night rental situation. I think for some more oh, yeah. popular releases, that was always the case. But then at one point, they had like the four to five day rental situation. So you could just get a bunch of movies and didn't have much going on in your life. Like me, maybe in ninth or 10th grade, then you might uh, just watch movies at home for the weekend. And that's definitely the first time I saw it. I remember seeing the case quite a bit in my local blockbuster. And uh, I don't know, looks, looks, looks fun. So I got it. That was the first time I saw it. And I've seen it probably three times, but not since around that time until this week. <laughs> so I, I remember liking it, though, and it, it definitely views different now, but I, I still like it a lot. <laughs> okay, so you liked it in 19... Like, that's how we would describe it. You liked it. It's not maybe a favorite, but you... Yeah, I, I, this was a good time. Absolutely. All right, and so <laughs> now, now watching it now with older 2022 eyes, how are we feeling about it? I liked it still. There's three things that I thought. One is that obviously yeah. this was made now. I think most of the, the women characters would be maybe treated a little differently. But the other thing I would say is that, well, for whatever reason, about halfway through it occurred to me that one of my favorite movies of the last few years, Uncut Gems, sort of is like the other side of that coin of the story. Like what if, what if someone actually had a 
a good day gambling instead of the worst day ever. <laughs> well, I mean, not to defend Sandler's actions, he does, spoiler alert for Uncut Gems, he does win. It doesn't go well for him, but all of That's the insanity true. that he does, you know what, that may be the, the more realistic version. If you actually do all of the things to try to manifest this, you know, Sandler's fate is perhaps more likely <laughs> than what Richard Dreyfuss's fate is in Let It Ride. Exactly. Yeah. And then I say the third third thing that it made me think of is that I would never have put this together then, but and maybe I have listened to several episodes of the Jockey Club. In fact, I am a Jockey Club Plus subscriber, premier premier member. Oh um, wow! We just started to roll that out, so I'm so impressed that you've already <laughs> signed up for it. Yeah, it was important to me. Is that and so? I don't know if you discussed this with anyone else or anyone has hypothesized this, but it almost seems now mm-hmm. doing it. That first scene sets up the fact that this is maybe all not even real. Like it is actually a dream. Like it's clearly a fantasy movie. It is a unquestionable, fantasy. right? But maybe it is also because of that fortune cookie scene and then the sort of the, the, the minor, <laughs> the, the one flash of magic that you get at the at the diner scene. Made me wonder: Is there a read on this where it, the whole thing's actually not even supposed to be real life? Like it is supposed to be the dream day that Jay Trotter has, and uh, and uh, it didn't really happen. Wow, so you're kind of telling me that it's possible that Let It Ride is much like that one season of Dallas, a show I never watched, but the one where, you know, oh, Patrick Duffy is in the shower, and then you find out the entire season before is, is has been a dream. Do you know what I'm talking about, or am I just wasting I, my time? No, 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 of course I know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we're cut from the same cloth. Okay, that's what, that's what I thought, yeah. So there's an entire season of that series is a dream in order to bring the dead character back. You're saying much like that, all of Let It Ride could possibly be a dream. It could possibly. Another instance of that, of course, is the entire series of Newhart. You know, the no spoiler alert. If oh, you know, my, if that's in the middle true. Of the, if oh, the my God. Newhart, if you're in the middle of a Newhart binge watch, then I'm sorry to spoil it for you. <laughs> that's true. All like nine seasons of Newhart. That is. <laughs> Larry and Daryl and Daryl never existed. <laughs> that is much more dedication to the dream idea, actually, when you think about it. Okay. I have never thought this before. No one has hypothesized it, but I do love getting new ideas like that Uh, yeah i don't know that's because definitely unusual strange things are happening he starts to notice them right as as they kind of manifest you get the weird you know chimes that pop in when when something strange is going on so i could kind of see where you're going with that that's not completely off the map for me well, I'm glad that you at least entertain the idea. So, so you know, I'm thinking like he gets to do all these things where he's mm-hmm. a winner and he gets to be lauded by everyone at the track and at his bar, everyone is you know, fawning over him. Basically, everything that does not happen to him typically happens to him here. He even gets to display some morality when he turns down Jennifer Tilly. He gets to be redeemed in the eyes of his, his lovely wife. He gets private security gets to go to the jockey club and win the respect of the great Robbie Coltrane who thought he was a complete schlub just minutes before. It, it really is a, a perfect day for this guy. Like for, yes. for Jay Trotter, this really is a perfect day. It could not have gone any better. Yes. So. And the, the last thing I'll say, and I, I think I, I read the, the Nathan Rabin piece uh, about, about this. Um, what's his, his collection of these essays about, I think it's my year of flops or something like that. Have you read that one? I have read that one. Okay. Yeah, he he mentioned something that I that it occurred to me too as a possibility. We're well, not a possibility in terms of the way, way the narrative plays out, but that that this is the kind of movie that tone if it was tonally different, filmed a bit different, different music, and maybe made in the '70s. It could be like this, you know, kind of 
this small character movie that wouldn't be played in the kind of bigger high concept 80s way, but it would be more of a character movie. And that was interesting to me too, to imagine this story playing out, maybe even with Richard Dreyfuss playing the character, but maybe 10, 10 years earlier. Oh yeah, you could definitely see this story playing out a number of different ways. Yeah, like that's that's one way. I mean, and honestly, you just already brought up uncut gems. That's kind of another way, but you know, sort of somewhat in a, somewhat <laughs> right. in a similar fashion, I guess. All right, let's get to scene seventeen, and we kind of have two things that are going on in this scene. We have Trotter returning to the jockey club right after. Lord Byron loses, and so for the first part of the scene, he's kind of schmoozing there, and then he's on the phone with his wife, Pam, who we haven't seen all the way from that first scene of the movie. So when this scene starts, Eric, he comes in, and he's still watching the replay of Lord Byron on the monitors, and he's musing to himself how, I didn't lose. This is getting yeah. weirder and weirder. Like it's, He's now starting to, to really see... That, okay, now I'm not just having a good day, but really something else may be going on here. Even when yeah. he sits down and talks to the ladies, and when he talks to Vicky and Mrs. Davis, and Mrs. Davis but would have never known her name if I wasn't doing this podcast and looking stuff up that, that Michelle Phillips' character has a name. That's right, played by the great Michelle Phillips. Right? Yeah. yeah, so Vicky tells him when he sits down that she won, and he responds with, I didn't lose. <laughs> right, right. Another, so another another part of his good day. He did not lose, and he is a loser. He is unquestionably a loser. But the fact that this is now sort of adding up, right? And I hadn't thought about this until I, I did this episode previously. Was that Lord Byron loses to a horse called Splendid Reason? As why mm. this is why the horse you wanted to bet on didn't win. It was for this splendid reason. This. Fate. Too busy uh, crashing through a door to, uh, to put the place the bet. <laughs> Splendid reason. Yeah, so what do you make of this, him sort of, I guess, waking up more and more to, to whatever supernatural thing may be going on here? Yeah, that, this may have been the scene, actually, this part of the scene where it clicked for me that that was a possibility, that this was actually something that was a dream. Another possibility, of course, is okay. he had prayed to God earlier, maybe, uh, you know, that he was having his, his dreams answered finally after... Again, being a loser and been on the losing side of so many aspects of life up until now that finally it was occurring to him, this is what it's like. And I'm actually, this is it. This is it. And I got to let it ride. Wow, that's really good. And also, this dream idea does make it much more plausible that five foot two, five foot four, Richard Dreyfus could smash through a door the way he does. Sure. Right? Jockey sized, jockey sized Richard Dreyfus. Jockey sized right. Richard Dreyfus could just run, steamroll through that door. Okay, so he sits down and he's kind of like schmoozing and having a good time. You've got Vicky on one side tapping his leg with her foot and <laughs> a classic right? 80s movie. Trope. Oh my God, absolutely. You, you watch this and you think, when was the last time I saw this in a movie, right? <laughs> and then on the other side, Mrs. Davis is doing the exact same thing, right? And I just love this little interaction with Bernie, Alan Garfield, who's who both, here's a claim for you, Eric. Look, I'm so rich. That when I lose 10K at the track, I just add half a set to the oversized birthday envelopes that I sell. <laughs> and <laughs> he says this as though he's some sort of financial genius and not sounding like a complete asshole. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a pretty great line read, actually. Speaking of, as you know, I am in a hotel. I'm recording this. Guess how many bathrooms are in my hotel room? Oh, oh my goodness. All right. It, I don't know. That's <laughs> how many bathrooms it has. I Six. It has six. <laughs> six. Can tell. <laughs> I don't know. Very, very, very wealthy man. <laughs> okay, so Garfield tosses that dumb line out about the half cent on the envelopes and Trotter says, I'll take six dozen. Everyone laughs like, and you can tell that <laughs> yeah. Bernie feels all right. They're, they're all laughing at me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so now Trotter gets paged. Dr. J Trotter gets paged, which can only boost his presence at the jockey club by being identified as doctor since no one knows who he is. Yes. That, that part I, I loved also felt, like an 80s movie trope, although it's, of course, not specific to the 80s or anything, just like that, that call. Like that, that if you're a doctor, that's like the height of being a superstar, a fancy guy. It's actually a thing that I think is funny about the movie generally is that he's playing a schlub. I mean, he plays it well, don't get me wrong, but there's, you know, he's, he is wearing a suit. There's a few remarks throughout the film about him having worn the suit for a couple of days, but like you look around now and you go to a place, well, even the racetrack, but there's a lot of Crocs and uh, shorts being worn. A guy wearing a suit, even a couple of days old. I don't have a hard time believing that he could be a doctor or that he belongs in the jockey club. Yeah, this is true. You don't see anybody wearing a suit just like rolling around town like like he is. So, yeah, that that's fair. I actually went to Hylia Park mm-hmm. not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Boy, it's a depressing place. <laughs> Boy, you've never seen such a depressing place. Now, there's no horse racing going on there. Right. Oh, is that right? So what do they use it for now? It's it's turned into just a standard casino. Mm, but okay. I believe the track is a landmark now. So they can't tear it down. So the track just as seen in the movie Let It Ride, yeah. there's a plaque out front. <laughs> so the track itself is just sitting there. You can still see the flamingos in the middle of the track. They're still there, but you know, like grass is kind of growing and all the seats are just empty and cavernous. So if you go out to the track area, it's borderline creepy now. Right. Yeah. I can absolutely imagine that. There are uh, landmarks in Southern California where I grew up that we visit and it feels similar, like ghosts. Like ghosts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so inside, it's just a bunch of slot machines and, you know, people losing their money. So I guess really not much has changed if you think about it that way. <laughs> So when he goes to get the the phone call, right, I, Bernie, I love how Bernie scoffs some doctor. Like I don't even know what that means. Right, right. Just just brushing him off, but like there's no, <laughs> there's actually no substance to his, his insult. Just, right. Just being... <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even. All right. So he gets to the phone. He's waiting for whoever has called him. He doesn't even know who it is. And we see, here we see Lufkin and Johnny Casino enter. A fantastic name, by the way, Johnny Casino. I totally agree. I, I didn't, I saw that in the credits. Like, that is an excellent name. And I, 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 may, I may change my, my DJ name to that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, oh my God, Richard Tram and Richard, Richard Edson. Edson. Richard, the, the great Richard Edson both pop in. And Trotter looks at them. We don't know these guys yet. But based on the music and the snarl that, that Trotter gives, we kind of get the, all right. We don't like these guys. But Lufkin kind of comes in like, I don't know, like he's sort of floating through the jockey club and he kind of doffs his hat to Vicky and then he sits down and he orders caviar and champagne. 
That's what rich people do, man. I think this is how you jockey club properly, right? That's right. <laughs> you come down, you have caviar and champagne, which it sounds very good to me. I, I didn't take note of it in the in the moment, but now that you say it, I'm like, that would be really fun. Are you a caviar guy? Can you do that? I, I like caviar, yeah. I like it on a nice cracker or a, a toasted piece of bread. It's really nice. I, you know, I try. My wife is yeah. from the Soviet Union, and so caviar is a thing for her. And every so often it shows up, and then it's a thing for me, and it's like, no, just I, I certainly uh, would never think it was strange that someone <laughs> was not into it. <laughs> eat sparingly, but yeah, I, like, I like a salty snack and I like special food. All right. So here we get Terry Gar back in the movie. We haven't seen her since like minute four of the film. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we, when you, you and I were emailing about this and you chose this scene, I felt like it was my own lucky day to be honest with you, because I love Terry Gar. I really do. It's like, and so glad that I got to to talk to you about a scene that she's so prominently in. Because as you say, she's uh, she's, got, she's in some important scenes, but she's not in a good chunk of the first half of the movie. Oh yeah, she's she's very absent from this movie. All right, so do you have a go-to Terry Gar film other than Young Frankenstein? Well, I love Young Frankenstein, of course. Well, I, I love, but yeah, I'd say that the trio of movies that I grew yeah. up on watching. Uh, very frequently are God, Mr. Mom and Tootsie. And she is just an excellent performance in all of them. And I, she's one of my favorite, I, th I think, I think because we, those movies were such staples of my early childhood, Animal VHS and just, they were on all the time. I thought that on she was maybe like, on all the time. I, I thought that she was like one of the most famous people in the world. Like she is a very well-known actor, of course, and is in tons and tons of stuff. But I thought that she was like the, you know, most famous actor that, that, that was in movies because she was so great and so prominent and such. She plays exasperated so amazingly well. Does that here too? Yes. Of course, uh, Close Encounters too, actually, now that I think about it. That this was the great reunion, right? Yeah, of, this is, uh, this is the big re the Close Encounters reunion. That is correct. Yeah. All right. So, and here's what I love. He gets on the phone and he starts talking to her. And he, he says that once he heard the doctor, he was sure it was her. And what I love about this is how does this guy, how does Jay Trotter, who the night before had this dinner with his wife where he got back together with her and promised her that right after driving a cab all night, he was going to go home to her and restart their marriage. And he's now obviously at the track where she's calling him at the track and he gets on the phone and he says, oh, I knew it was you. What's up, babe? Like, like there's no problem with this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bold. I guess he, I guess he's feeling himself because it's his big day. You know, he's got no qualms to get on that phone and just, just disregard all the things, all the promises that he's broken from that he made. I love that you bring up the fact that she plays exasperated very well because that's that is so perfect for what's going on in this conversation, right? So, at first, he's actually clueless for a little while, right? She's asking him questions like, "What time is it?" And he's, "Oh, it's one forty-five, doll." And then she says it back to him, one forty-five, doll." Right? It's so it's so yeah. good. You could just feel her simmering about his utter cluelessness oh, absolutely. right absolutely she's doing so much with the dialogue here because some of the there's some actually pretty clumsy lines and she plays them exactly the way you just described like he says something she says something about honey darling 
<laughs> and I'm imagining that you didn't ad lib that. That was probably, I know that you've talked to folks who have, maybe you have yourself. You had to look at the screenplay. I don't know if that phrase appears in there. There's, there's actually one more. We could talk about it a little bit. There's a few of these lines where she's, she's, um, she's very good at delivering in a way that feels believable, even though the words themselves are a little bit over the top. Yeah. Honey, darling. Yes, yes, yes. I have looked at this screenplay and I did read this scene. This part where they're on the phone is longer than what it is in the movie. Mm. It, you know, there's a lot more of the back and forth between them. But, you know, it's basically the same thing, right? Where she's yeah. upset with him. I don't see in here where she takes the phone receiver and pounds it against <laughs> the bed. That was oh, that is that whole that whole element slam, slamming a phone on the bed. I love that, and and of course it will. will actually, will probably take a minute to get to this part. But another '80s <laughs> trope is when someone hangs up, you hear the dial tone, and then you're fiddling with it. Jay, Jay. Oh Are my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that is absolutely not something. I don't know. Like when when you hang up the phone. It didn't just automatically go to a dial tone that fast, right? That's, that's true, too. That was, that's, that's true, too. Yeah, so, you know, he starts immediately. She gets enraged at him, starts yelling, and, <laughs> yeah. And the look on his face, oh, no. Like, oh, I'm busted. Again, I'm still amazed at how long it took him to realize that that's what was going to happen on this call. His attitude going into the call was so was so easy breezy when it should have been like going to the principal's office, right? Absolutely. Yeah, again, he's just feeling himself. He's at the jockey club, he's winning. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong. You know, he got he's, he's got he's got beautiful women fawning on over him and uh, yeah nothing can go wrong so yeah that is a hilarious line though so what yeah she calls him what time is it and he's like <laughs> kind of casually looks up at the clock yeah, it's 145 like like as if that's not a rhetorical question <laughs> right exactly. what's, what time it is <laughs> yes as, right like, like he's actually answering a question and <laughs> she starts yelling at him and then uh, you know the call back to the phrase i'm gonna call my attorney and i'm gonna tell him to go for your balls right in the and, 80s, everyone had an attorney, man. Like, I don't know anyone who has an, has an attorney. Yeah, that's absolutely true, right? I don't know, especially so, like these people, you get an impression at the whatever station they are in life. There's no way that either of these two people have an attorney. You know, you see her in the apartment that they live in. It looks like the, the, the one bedroom, tiny one bedroom in Miami. That's not somebody who has an attorney, right? Like yeah. on speed what, do you, dial. what do you think? What do you think her her job was? As a cab driver. Oh my God, that is an excellent question. What does Pam do for a living? Oh, okay. I now, can see her. Um, yeah, go ahead. Like, what you got? Selling selling cosmetics at like a department store. Oh, I like this. I like this. I was gonna say secretary, but that's way too simplistic. But you know what? Yeah, she works the Clinique counter. At the Burdines. There you go. There you go. That's it. I like this. <laughs> she sells cosmetics. That's perfect for her. I know. And you feel bad. She's, she's there. The more I watch this movie, the more I feel bad for her when I watch this, right? She's there Absolutely. in her, her little pink robe waiting to have this you know, romantic afternoon with her husband who's getting back. And he, he starts to convince her, listen, I'm having a good day. I'm up 2,500. She does not believe him. And then he tells her, I want you to get all gussied up. Love that phrase. Get all gussied, yeah, gussied up. up. Well, a, a phrase I would never use. 
I would imagine using that to a woman. I don't think it go over very well. Yeah, I feel like that's that, that's a phrase that, that's probably past its prime these days. <laughs> gussied up. I want you to get all gussied up and come on down here, right? And then he hangs up <laughs> before she can yell at him more. And he just bops back off, right? He's kind of like humming to himself as he's going back to the table to where, you know, the ladies are and whatever. And, okay, so this last little bit here of the scene where she sits there completely exhausted with him. And she says, well, maybe one more time. But after that, no more, right? So, so you speak out loud to yourself that way, don't you? Oh, my God. Well, all right. Bet- all right. Between you, me, and the Brooklyn Bridge, I talk to myself constantly. And it's, it's very strange. I'll tell you that. But yeah, you're right. Well, you uh, come from a great tradition of Pam, Dan. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. That's right. So, but this moment, as I see it, which it's, it's comedy. It's, it's funny that she's going to give in to him one more time. But, you know, you look at it, especially if you're looking at it, especially if you're watching this movie in 2022, you feel for Pam there. It's like, oh, this feels a little like what an abuse victim would do. Absolutely. This is another reason I think that maybe there's an argument to be made that this is like his fantasy, like this is his dream. Because would she really do that? Pam has got a lot going for her. She's funny, beautiful, and cool. And I feel like even the fact that she would then, that that he would imagine her sitting there and saying that out loud, that's another element of my argument for why this could be his dream. Okay, I could totally go with this. This is, you know, Let It Ride is actually the inception of gambling movies, is what you're trying that's, to tell me here. That's what I should have pitched from the start. It's exactly. A couple of things I want to say about her performance here. So there's a scene very similar in Tootsie where she's exasperated with Michael and he's late and she has the same kind of anger, but, but wanting to, to stick around. And it reminded me of that. And I just, God, I love her. If there's, if there's not a Gar cast out there, I may start one. I will just review the movie, the filmography of Terry Gar, starting with she's in Head by the Monkeys. First one. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Would you you do the uh, Star Trek episode? Star Trek episode. I think she's in an Andy Griffith episode. Oh, putting work. She's putting a lot of work over the years. Andy Griffith. That's good. That's good. Yeah, the Gar cast. Well, look, if you need somebody for the Gar cast, especially (laughs) if you get to the Let It Ride episode, I'm there for you. All right. Excellent. Perfect. I want to give Terry Gar props for one more line reading, which is in that same conversation, of course. She says, are you having a good day? Well, good day this, baby. That's the best. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) That is good. Yeah, you don't get lines like that. You don't get lines read like that, you know? No, no. I just love her. Yeah, if you just look at that on the paper, that's that you would look at it and go, that's not a good line. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. There's a certain specific way that, that she brings herself to these parts that I just love. And I loved them from an early age. So I was so happy that we got to talk about this scene. Yeah, I am definitely glad that we got to elevate Terry Gar a bit because I always feel like when when you talk about this movie, you talk about Dreyfus, you talk about Jennifer Tilly, you talk about a number of things. And I feel like she's really overshadowed. I know she's probably in the movie for about... Nine minutes total would be my guess, right? And I do feel as though she's really overshadowed. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we got to to do it. I got to do one with somebody who was a big fan. And uh, That's right. Oh, and on that note, I, I think of another line that I have to say. And I'm sorry to keep going back to lines, but 
Do it. Uh, this is where another example of where she's doing a lot of work with dialogue that is it's, it's, it's not the best. She says, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> yes. In the middle of a serious argument. So. <laughs> but you believe it because it's Gar. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado. Thank you to my guest, Eric Stoyer. Look for Eric's podcast, Actual Facts, wherever you got this podcast from. But to make it easy on you, there will be a link to it in the show description. You can also find a link to get yourself some Jockey Club merch there as well. And I'm even putting a link to the Nathan Rabin piece on Let It Ride that Eric mentioned in there as well. Our theme music is from Epidemic Sound. Our cover art is by Sean Labrie. If you enjoyed this episode, and I certainly hope that you did, then maybe now is the time to help the show out by buying me a coffee. Yes, that's a thing. There's a link to it in the show description. It's been there for many episodes. Feel free to click it and find out how you can help the show out by giving just a little donation. Now, if you are saving up all of your pennies because you got a hot tip on this week's race, I understand. So you can still support the show by leaving a free five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening to this. You can also contact me if you want through email. It's dan at moviemaker.com. I am constantly on Twitter at underscore Dan underscore Delgado. Or even better, you can find me on the Repod app, which is indeed a fantastic way not only to listen to podcasts, but to interact with podcast hosts like myself. Find it in your app store. Come on by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for The Jockey Club. And remember, sometimes... You could be walking around lucky and not even know it.